push the green button. Rogue signal intercepted. Signal designation. Bees, views, and reviews. Signal host. Branson Boykin. Initiating com talk. Hey guys, and welcome to Bees, Views, and Reviews, the podcast about faith-based, family-friendly comics and the creators that make them. Brought to you by Geek Devotions, a show by devoted geeks devoted to letting you know that you are loved. I'm Branson, and I'm really excited for us to have a, a special podcast today. We are streaming live to raise money for Track Shreveport. It is a ministry that is uh, reaching out to teens in foster care here in the Shreveport area. And we are trying to raise money to, uh, to help them get their summer camp started. So if you're watching this live, you can go to geekdevotions.com. There's a link there where you can donate. I want to encourage you to do that to help support a ministry. I mean, it's, it's scriptural. The Bible says that we're supposed to help out the orphans and the widows. Well, this goes towards helping out uh, kids in the foster system. So I want to encourage you to donate to that. Today's a very special episode. You get a triple feature because I'm not going to be reviewing just one comic book. I'm going to be reviewing two comic books and a novel. So it's going to be a fun-filled episode. Today, specifically, I'm going to be talking about uh, the two comics I'm talking about are Tenet's Tales and Chronicles of Faith. So uh, let me pull up my notes here, my little information. Uh, I've actually had these reviews written for a while, but as I said a few minutes earlier in the stream, we've kind of been in a time of uh, transition with my family. I'm starting a new job here in a couple of weeks, which I'm very excited about. And also uh, just uh, with, you know, the craziness that is the world right now. So I haven't had time to record a lot of uh, new episodes, but I'm going to try to make up for that by hitting up a lot of stuff here today. All right. The first thing I want to talk about, the first thing I want to, the comic I want to talk about is, is waiting for my phone to load. Have y'all ever noticed that? How technology just fails you at the worst possible time? There we go. All right. So we're going to talk about first about Tenet's Tales. Tenet's Tales. All right. Tenet's Tales is uh, written by Brandon Hollinsworth. And the art is done by, I'm going to mispronounce this name and I apologize, Mango Fedorov and Rooster Emma. And it's published by Brainy Pixel Productions. Okay, so you can get your uh, copy of uh, Tenet's Tales at brainypixel.com slash tenet-tales. Uh, here in a few minutes, I'll pull up that website so you can see what it looks like. But Tenet's Tales is a... Uh, story that takes place in Acadiana, Louisiana, which automatically makes it cool because I'm a sucker for anything that takes place in my home state or my hometown, whether it's Shreveport or just Louisiana in general. This is why the princess and the frog is one of my favorite Disney, uh, Disney movies because uh, the best line in the whole movie is when Ray, the lightning bug says, yeah, town y'all from Shreveport. That that just warmed my heart. You know, Shreveport made a Disney movie. Woohoo! So, uh, so that's that's why it's one of my favorites. But the story takes place in Acadiana, Louisiana, in 1801. Uh, it has it's now that I mentioned Princess and the Frog. The story itself very much has a Princess and the Frog meets Spawn. Uh, Princess and the Frog comes from the fact that it takes place in Louisiana. 
Um, the dialogue that's written has a, has Louisianian accents, you know, um, just the, the, the setting and everything. It, it, it reminded me of princess and the frog. I half expected to see two little frogs jump in and, and, uh, Dr. Facilier show up and do his stuff. Uh, so there's that edge, but then the spawn part of it comes in and that the, the protagonist of the story is a fallen angel trying to make up for the mistakes that he's made. That's who Tenet is. He's, he's this fallen angel. That's, that's trying to make up for, uh, Picking the wrong side of the war, I guess, basically. Uh, Louisiana setting has magical references, again, that harken back to uh, Dr. Facilier and the Princess and the Frog. Uh, it's not like voodoo spooky magic, but just the way that Tenet, uh, the way that Tenet uh, uses his his knowledge, the, the way he uh, pulls things out, it, it, it very much reminds me of uh, Dr. Facilier and Spawn. Uh, Spawn comes into the picture that Tenet is a former fallen angel who has seen the light and uses his powers to stop a demon from terrorizing a Louisiana sugarcane farmer. So we've got this farm and uh, the, the, the kids are talking about these monsters that keep coming up and Tenet shows up and he's like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take care of it. And it's interesting because at first. uh all right, Retro Rewind says, I had to step away. Why are we talking about Disney? I'm reviewing a, a comic book called Tenet's Tales, and uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm reviewing a comic book called Tenet's Tales, and it takes place in Louisiana. And I was saying how the, the artwork and the, and the backdrop and the way they handle uh, the powers of the main character reminds me of The Princess and the Frog. It very much has a Louisiana voodoo feel, even though it's not voodoo magic. Um. But uh, one of the things about the, the thing that I really like the plot is that it is about a bad guy turning into a good guy. If you've known me for any length of time, you know that I'm a sucker for redemption stories. I love redemption stories. Uh, a lot of people didn't like the superior Spider-Man arc because uh, they didn't want Dr. Octopus as Spider-Man. But I personally love that entire run because to me, you see a villain become a hero. He, he finally sees things from Peter's side and he, he does that. So I'm a sucker for redemption tales. So the fact that this is about a fallen angel trying to get back on the side, on the side of the angels, uh, really scratches that itch for me. I love to see bad guys turn into good guys. So that's cool. And, uh, tenant, because he used to fight on the other side, he has a knowledge base. He understands uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, let's see. Geek Devotion says, Disney is Retro Rewind's favorite company, especially when they make movies about disobedient children who suffer no consequences to poor actions and if they have talking animals. Wow, okay. <laughs> fun times, fun times. All right. So uh, the title page re on Tenet reads, Outcast from Heaven, Hated by Hell. Tenet is a fallen angel bent on protecting humankind. He's immortal. He's D-word. Sorry, this is a family-friendly show. I don't know if I can say that word. And he has nothing to lose. This sets the tone for the story. Tenet comes across as the kind of guy that you never really want to need his kind of help. But if you do, he's the best of his kind to get. We also see this in the distrust of the sugarcane farmer who initially wants nothing to do with Tenet. However, we also see a glimmer of redemption in that at the end of the story, Tenet hands the sugarcane farmer a Bible. So we've got... Tenet is, like I said, like I said a, a second ago, he's the kind of guy you never want his help. You never want his help. But if you do, you're glad that he got him. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, the Code Green from Avengers, you know, 
you've got, oh, hey, I've got someone following. Awesome. Uh, Urinator31, welcome. Uh, and now, everyone watching, I hate to do this to you, but if you haven't been reading the chat, I lost the game. I lost the game. Dallas, I like you a little bit less for that. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyhow, uh, Tenet is the kind of guy that you don't want his help, but you're glad to have it if you need it. Uh, so he's, uh, he's like the Code Green in Avengers. You know, you've got Banner who, if need be, he can turn into a giant green rage monster, but he doesn't like to do it. But if you're ever in a situation where you need a giant green rage monster, you, you're glad that he's around. That's kind of who Tenet is. And he definitely has that anti-hero vibe. He's, he's brooding. He's, uh, he's not nice. He's not overly mean, uh, but it's, it's not, he, he's not, he's not Superman. All right. He's not a guy that you're going to cheer when he shows up. He's, and he's not even Batman really. He's something darker. Uh, one of the things I like about most most about this book is that it is unapologetically Christian. So far, the books I've reviewed have had positive messages, or they paint Christians in their stories as the good guys instead of the villains, but this book takes it a step further. These are demons, actual minions of Satan. Tenet is a former angel from heaven. He quotes scripture as he fights. Even the magical items that he uses have scriptural overtones and angelic powers and first fruits being offered as a sacrifice. It teaches scripture and the gospel without being preachy. Uh, so like I said, uh, we, we did a lot of stuff by Allegiance Arts and, uh, you can definitely tell that there's some, some Christian influence in there with, with the values that are represented. And I talked about Bass Reeves and how much I appreciated that the Christian was the tough guy of the story. You know, you've got this tough guy who's laying the law down and he's quoting scripture and singing hymns while he's doing it. And that's just not something you see in mainstream media. Normally, if they take the time to make the person the Christian, he's either uneducated and bigoted or he's the villain of the story. So to see the tough guy, the hero, the real hero be a Christian was cool. And this entire story, it's not just one character, but the entire story is kind of based on that. You've got Tenet, who's a fallen angel trying to do good. Your villains are demons. And then, like I said, at the end, you've got Tenet handing a Bible to, to uh, some guy. Hey, McChucko, welcome. Glad you're here. Uh Actually, I think I know McChucko. That's awesome. Uh, glad to see you here, man. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I, I'm, I'm glad that it's una, unapologetically Christian. Uh, one of the guys I'm about to talk about, Al Bowl. the first time I ever had a concept of Christianity being something outside of uh, the church house, you know, outside of what you did on Sunday morning was when he got up in the pulpit and talked about his vision of Christian comic books, Christian action figures, Christian Saturday morning cartoons that they teach biblical concepts and they teach Bible stories, but they're also entertaining for kids. It makes kids want to watch them. So uh, this is very much in that vein uh, for, for anyone who likes Spanish type stories of, you know, heaven versus hell, that kind of thing. It, it scratches that itch, but it's from the, uh, but it's from the uh, point of view of of Christians. So I'm actually very excited that it's unapologetically that, and I think that's something we need more of. You know, we've got fiction genres for almost every niche out there, but stuff that's unapologetically Christian 
I mean, you, you kind of have to go to specific markets to get it. So the fact that this is out here is really cool. As far as the artwork, the artwork that utilizes color to set mood. Throughout most of Tenet's time in the swamp, finding the demon, there are a lot of shades of green. That works in that it's a swamp. Uh, you know, because you're at a Louisiana swamp, it makes sense there's a lot of green. But it also is interesting, hearkening back to Disney. I'm going to talk about Disney again, Retro Rewind, just so you know. Uh, if you notice, in a lot of the classic Disney movies, whenever the villain uses magic, it's always green. It's always green, like Maleficent turning into the dragon was green. Uh, the uh, poison uh, that they used to, to decorate the apple, if I remember correctly, that was green. There, there's a lot of times that green shows up as the, the evil energy in Disney movies. So uh, having a formal angel surrounded by green in the swamp when he's fighting this, this demon... Uh, really harkens back to that. So that was another way that, that uh, reminds me of the Princess and the Frog, actually. Uh, so that was cool. Lighting also plays a part in the setting of the mood at the end. While Tennant is given the, giving the sugarcane farmer a Bible and also giving him hope, the sun is rising on the sugarcane farm. So what's cool is throughout this entire, most of the story takes place at night. So it's a lot of muted colors, a lot of dark shades, a lot of shadows. Uh, there is some green, but it's like a very dark green. And when he uses his magic, there's like little pinpoints of light. But then at the very end, when he, spoiler, when he defeats the demon, and he's trying to give hope to the sugarcane farmer, he hands him a Bible and the sun's coming up. And so there, there's this wash of, of yellow light that's, that's over everything. And it really, he really uses light well to set the mood. You know, when... when when things are at their darkest, everything's muted and it's shadows everywhere. And then when the demon is destroyed and uh, and he's handing the Bible to the sugarcane farmer, the sun starts to go up. You see a lot more light. And so it's uh, and so that's uh, kind of where where that goes there. Uh, I've got some comments here. Uh, I'm going to say no traditional views. The ability to be redeemed is reserved for mankind. Oh, we're having theological discussions in the chat. All right, I'm going to leave that to more informed, more informed people. All right. So, but uh, the, the, the lighting does a really great job of telling you as the reader what you're supposed to feel without spelling it out in the dialogue. Uh, like when Tennant is giving hope to the sugar game forward, it doesn't come across as preachy. It doesn't come across as hokey. Uh, it, 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 it feels like you've got real stake in what's going on, but it's not, let me tell you about the hope you have in Jesus Christ. Here is this Bible that will solve all your problems. I mean, it's not that at all. Tenet's just trying to make up for his past mistakes, and he hands that Bible as, hey, this is going to help you. This is going to help you do better. Um, as far as content, you really can't get better than this. Like, I would let my four-year-old read this book. Now, I know comparing it to Spawn, throws off some alarms, especially for parents, because Spawn has a reputation for its content, okay? Uh, I remember when the cartoon came out, uh, I why did I sound like All Might just now? <laughs> hey, you know what? B before we're done with my stream, I think I need to read some verses as, as All Might. I think I'm going to do that. In fact, I know exactly the, the verse I'm going to use, so that's going to be fun. All right, so... Uh, I would let my four-year-old read this book, okay? If, if you're someone who likes Spawn and is a fan of that spiritual warfare type thing and how the, the forces of, of Satan are, are, are 
fighting. This is a good alternative because, yeah, Geek Devices just said Spawn Cartoon was not family friendly. No, it was not. Uh, the movie was not family friendly. And I haven't had a lot of experience with the comics, but but the the few comics I have read, uh, it, uh, it was not family friendly. All right. So Tenet's Tales is a good answer to that and that it has those spawn moments and that spawn feel, but it is family friendly. I mean, seriously, I it's got scary monsters. Yes. And it's got fighting. Yes. But nothing that's overly graphic in any way. Uh, I mean, uh, oh, it's <laughs> Dallas says some of the graphic comics are in the book shelf behind me. Uh, there, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, but it's for me when I started this podcast, Tenet's Tales is exactly what I was looking for. Okay, it's got a compelling story. It's entertaining. I had fun reading it. I was not bored at all. I didn't feel like I was being preached at. I didn't feel like this was a theological treatise that was shrouded in a, in a superhero story. I mean, it was it was a really entertaining comic. But the content was such that if my, if my youngest son were to call up in my lap and say, Daddy, I want to read this comic with you, I wouldn't say, okay, don't look at that page. Well, that might be too scary. I'd let him read it with me. It, is, it has the perfect balance of entertainment but also content that's okay for any age to enjoy. So if you've got a kid who's kind of into the anti-hero, uh, you know, lethal enforcer type hero, he, you know, he, he's not a fan of the guy that has a big letter splashed across their chest and says, yes, I'm here to save the day. Then this is definitely for them, but you don't have to worry about the content. You don't have to worry about, well, what is he reading? What is he being exposed to? He's being exposed to the fact that through the saving power of Jesus Christ, anyone can overcome evil. I mean, who wouldn't want to expose their child to that? So as far as child safe and still be entertaining, this is it. This is it, all right? So parents, if you've got a kid who's into Spawn and you want to give them some alternatives, I can highly recommend Tenet's Tales. Uh, as I said, Tenet's Tales is written by Brandon Hollinsworth with art by Bingo Fedorov and Rooster Emma. It is published by Brady Pixel Productions. You can get your copy at uh, bradypixel.com slash Tales. I'm going to... You'll bear with me for just a second. I am going to pull that website up so you can see what that looks like. BradyPixel.com. I'm gonna use my <clears throat> I'm gonna use my phone a friend. Dallas, the geek devotion symbol is shining over Gotham City. Commissioner Gordon needs help. Where's the button? Oh, okay. I don't want to interrupt the bacon. No, but. no. You're good. It is... You're trying to share your screen? Yes. Uh, full screen share. Aha! Uh -huh. we, we try to label them pretty. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I was looking on the wrong section of the screen. All right. Hi. Thank you, Celeste. All right. So here we've got Tenant's Tales, as you can see. Uh, it's... it's uh, Oh, I forgot. I got to move this away from the sound equipment. I still got to move it away from the sound equipment. Okay. So, uh, so here's some of the artwork. Uh, this is Tenet right here. He's standing up against this this uh, this demon here. Uh, it's on sale. You can get the digital copy or the physical copy. Uh, so go to bradypixel.com/tenets-tales and you can order your copy here. Like I said, it's a it's a fun read. Uh, they describe it as a Christian Hellboy meets X Files with a dash of the Dresden Files plus Doctor Strange. That that sounds pretty good. 
That sounds pretty good. I'm not as familiar with uh, at least three of these titles, so that's maybe why I didn't compare it to those. But uh, but uh, it is definitely uh, fun. It you know, uh, like I said, I, I would I would let my four year old read this. It was actually absolutely great. So anyhow, that is. Uh, let's see. Uh, just chatting. There we go. Okay. So anyhow, that is Tenet Tales by Brady Pixel Productions. So be sure and check that out. Uh, go to their website, order from them, and support uh, support uh, this company because they're producing stuff that you know your kids can read that you don't have to worry about. Oh, what's he going to be exposed to? He's going to be exposed to the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. I mean, how awesome is that, right? So. Uh, Fun little thing, Brainy Pixel Productions ha- also has another title out that we're going to talk about today called Chronicles of Faith. And this one is especially cool because it deals with David before he was King David. All right, so quick little piece of info about Chronicles of Faith. Chronicles of Faith is a joint project by Brainy Pixel and Mercy Ways Comics. The story and art are done by Ivan Anaya with flats lettering and design done by Sophia Flores B. Um, Chronicles of Faith talks about the story of David. And it's really interesting because it opens and, and you know, it, it's the first thing everyone thinks of when they think of David is David and Goliath. And it opens up with that story and it's told from the point of view of David. He's explaining all this stuff. And then there's an interruption. The story just gets interrupted and we're flash forward back to adult David talking to his son Solomon and we realized that David was recounting one of his one of his uh, stories to his son and so we realized that the framework of this entire Chronicles of Faith series is David telling stories to his son which is really really cool all right so uh, talking points here. I know I get really excited about comic books. It doesn't take much to impress me when it comes to the medium but this one this one blew my mind sequential art storytelling at its finest and it paints the story in such a way that it brings a newfound appreciation for stories that I have heard since I was a little boy reading this book made me feel like a kid again I think I was actually starry eyed reading it at, at one point so like I said it's about David but it's about David before before he was anointed by Samuel before he was fighting Goliath before he was king that like David the early like David year one <laughs> right and uh it was absolutely wonderful it was it was it was it was entertaining uh the artwork was cool david was one of my favorite bible characters growing up in fact the first sermon i ever preached was on david and goliath i'll I'll never forget it was a it was a stormy day uh for whatever reason we couldn't make it to church either the roads were dangerous or uh something like that but we were stuck at home and my little mind was like you know what we're not at church but we could still have church so i got my little bible and i opened up my bible and My favorite Bible story was David and Goliath. So I taught mom and dad and my little sister a story about a lesson on David and Goliath, talking about how you have to slay the giants in your life. And uh, so I've always had a a soft spot in my heart for for David. Uh, The story is King David recounting the adventures of his life to a very young Prince Solomon. It's basically father-son story time. But daddy's stories are about heroic adventures, adventures he actually lived. We get a small preview of the battle with Goliath, but young Solomon quickly gets bored. 
Having heard the story already, he wants to hear his father's whole story, including his battles with ferocious beasts, leading armies of men, and eventually becoming a king. This is the framework for the first issue where David recounts a time that he saved a sheep from a bear. So the first story in the Chronicles of Faith happens before David even meets Samuel, before he's even anointed. <coughs> Excuse me. He, uh, he's trying to protect a sheep from this bear. Now, I want you to think about this. You have David, a shepherd, going out to save a sheep from a giant bear. There's some obvious imagery there. Okay, if you if you looked at any of Jesus's parables, you know that he loved talking about a good shepherd and a shepherd caring for his sheep. There's so much that is twi- tw- that is woven into this story about that, and it's absolutely beautiful. The entire story is a nod to Jesus calling himself the good shepherd. We see David ask the sheep for his obedience, warn him what happens if he doesn't. We see David leave 99 safe sheep to save the wayward one. I mean, that that was one of the points where I wanted to just fist bump the air because David's counting his sheep. He's like, okay, yeah, 97, 98, 99. Wait. Oh, no. The the, the special one, he, he ran off. He ran off. So you see David leave 99 sheep locked up in the pen where they're supposed to be to go out and find this one wayward sheep. And, and speaking as a guy who sometimes identifies with the wayward sheep, that was heartwarming to me to, to see the good shepherd go and leave the 99 to go find that one sheep. <clears throat> we see David, uh, we see David leave the 99. We see David tell a huge bear, ignore the sheep, chase me. So there's this massive bear about to have dinner on the sheep. And David is trying to get the bear's attention. He said, Hey, Hey, chase me, chase me. Well, when did that ha- When else did that happen? That's right. When Jesus said, you know what? Take the sin of the world and put it on me. Let me die on the cross. Let me die. Stop focusing on the sins of the world. Put those sins on me. Uh, David even says at one point, you know my voice. Listen to me. I wonder if this is the kind of image Jesus had in his mind when he told this parable. So there's so much... I don't want to call it symbolism because that gives it the idea that you got to kind of dig deep, but it's not. It's on the surface. You can tell exactly what's happening, and it is expertly done. We also see the first time that David uses a slingshot to kill a beast. It's a neat foretelling of what will happen when he faces Goliath because he's fighting this bear, this massive bear, and he's got his slingshot, and he throws it, and it's, it's really cool to see that imagery. Uh, as far as the artwork, the artwork of the story is absolutely amazing. The art style is more cartoony than realistic, so it gives it kind of a Saturday morning adventure type feel. Like, uh, you know, like, like uh, I don't know if y'all remember the TV show Superbook. Uh, not the, the old one, the, the newer one. My son's watched that a lot. It kind of has that feel to it. Each page has motion in it, as though the page is organic and alive. It's not simple boxes on a page. The art leaps out at you and grabs your attention. Um, there, especially like at the very beginning, when David is telling... Um, the story and then Solomon interrupts him you can see that the way they do the artwork it's like Solomon's words interrupt the flow of the story it's like it, it covers a portion of the panel to where you're like it, it lo- it's like someone's literally covering the page it's like hey wait, wait, wait stop so uh, so Geek Devotion says fun fact Superbook is legit an anime really I did not know that I only know it as uh, I only know it as the CGI cartoon I didn't know it was an anime back then Okay, cool. I'll have to hunt that down. Um, so, 
so it's it's really neat the way the artwork does is that whenever Solomon interjects, the story is literally interrupted. Like they draw the art in such a way that it's like it just kind of sticks itself in. And uh, you feel like you feel like a comic book you're reading is getting interrupted. So it's really expertly done. Uh, the times that David prays to God are especially neat. The background's a simple color, and the words of his prayers have a very calligraphic font that reminds me of incense rising from an altar. Not to mention that many of the prayers are actually psalms that David had written. So there are moments where David kneels to pray to God when he's about to get ready to fight the bear or he's going after the sheep. And it, it's it's these full-page spreads, and it's very simplistic in the background design. So your attention is on David kneeling. But the the the, the font that they use, it, it's calligraphy, but it has kind of this smoky, wavy look to it. And it just reminds me of, of, of incense being burned. You know, when it says, let our... Uh, there, there's an old uh, praise and worship song that was based on a psalm that says, let our voices rise like incense, let them be a sweet perfume. It really gave me that vibe. So as David's praying, it's like his prayers are rising up to God as this wonderful incense. Uh, and uh, so, so that's really cool. And, and the prayers that he prays are just like psalms, which is interesting because David wrote those psalms. So it's, it's almost like we're getting a picture of, you know, when... Uh, like, uh, what was it I was thinking of the other day? It's like, for those of you who watched Smallville, okay, uh, I watched all 10 seasons, uh, even through the ones that we all wish we could forget. Uh, but anyhow, uh, when you're watching Smallville and you see little nods, you're like, oh, I bet you that's where he got that idea. Or, oh, I bet you that's where he got that idea. I remember specifically one episode where Clark is looking at uh, a chest plate that was worn by Alexander the Great in Lex's house. And it was a Roman chess plate, but it had a triangle emblem with a snake on it, but it looked like the Superman S. And so they had these little nods to tell you, you know, later when he becomes Superman, this is why that's that way. It has that feel to it. You you read these prayers that David is saying, and you think, oh, well, that's why he wrote that as a psalm later. So it's it's really cool. Again, it's all fiction. It's all speculative, but but it's really, really neat to see nods to David's future in this story that took place in the past. Um, <clears throat> as mentioned with uh, Tenet's Tales a few minutes ago, this work is unapologetically Christian, but it's not preachy in any sort of way. It's still entertaining. Uh, I was very entertained by the story and the prayers of faith, prayers and faith elements fit seamlessly into the story. I was reminded of the truths, truths of Scripture without feeling like I had just sat through a sermon. I was eager to see what would happen next in the story. And what was actually and was actually disappointed when I reached the end. Like I was, I was reading and I was reading. I was reading. I was, oh, you know, this is the end. It's like you know the, the the kid when he's really enjoying the story, and the mom and dad says, "Okay, kid, it's it's time for bed." And the kids go, "Oh man, that that that's kind of how it was at the end of this." I mean, it was really really entertaining. Uh, I absolutely loved it. As far as content goes, once again, it's something for everybody. I'd let my four year old uh, read this, but that doesn't mean it's childish. It has suspense and action, and it keeps my adult mind engaged. I can even connect with David's fatherly patience as he tries to tell his stories through young Solomon's incessant questions. We've all had that. You know, I'm, I'm trying to tell the story, but why did he do that? But why is that? If you will just listen, I will answer all those questions. Uh, this is the very embodiment of family friendly, but as always, that decision is going to be up to you. So once again, Chronicles of Faith is a joint project by Brainy Pixel and Mercy Ways Comics. The story and art are done by Ivan Anaya with flats lettering and design done by Sophia Flores B. You can get a copy at Chronicles of Chronicles Faith at BrainyPixel.com slash Chronicles of Faith. 
I'm going to uh, bring up that website here real quick so you can see it. Full screen share. All right, so it's at Brady Pixel Productions. Uh, Chronicles of Faith is on sale now. You can get the digital issue. Uh, there's a there cover of the picture. Like I said, <clears throat> it has kind of a Saturday morning cartoon feel, but that just makes it that much more fun. It's very, very entertaining. Uh, if you're trying to get your kids to read the Bible, uh, this is a way of introducing the Bible characters in a kind of a fun way that... Uh, that's very entertaining, so I highly recommend it. There's a trailer here that you can watch. I'll let y'all watch that at, on your uh, at your leisure. But that's kind of uh, that's kind of that. So go and support. I clicked on the same thing again. Hang on, let me try this. Uh, just chatting. Haha, that's the right one. Okay, so uh, let me encourage you to go and check them out. Uh, at Brainy Pixels, that's also by Mercy Ways Comics. A couple of great comic books that I want y'all to look into, so that uh, so that you can uh, support them, support their kind of content, and have something cool for your kids to read. Uh, like I said, both of these both of these uh, comics hit that sweet spot of being entertaining, but also being tame enough that your kids can enjoy it. Something that literally the whole family can enjoy. You know. Uh, as I said, back when I had this conversation with Dallas, there's this idea that family friendly means kitty. And that's not these. These are not, I mean, they're written in such a way that adults can enjoy them as well. So uh, I highly recommend those for that. All right. So that is Tenet's Tales and Chronicles of Faith. The last thing I want to talk about uh, for the, the podcast portion of this anyway, is uh, a book by, uh, uh, like I said, he's a local artist slash writer here in Shreveport. His name is Al Bowl, and he has written a series called Zanan. Zanan, Z-A-A-N-A-N. All of his books are available on Amazon, so you can go there. But uh, Zanan is a space superhero. Uh, as I'm reading the story, uh, I've got, I read volume one, which is actually a combination of two different stories. Uh, Al Bowl wrote Zanan back in the 80s, I believe, and uh, published it through there, and then there were some situations where they kind of had to uh, uh, figure out some rights and things like that, and he recently got the rights back uh, last year, maybe the year before, uh, and so he re-released the stories in an updated version, and what he did was he got uh, episodes one and two, let me hold this to where you can see it, uh, there we go, Episode there, episodes one and two he released in a single volume, and uh, and uh, it's about this guy who lives in a dystopian future. Uh, the story is kind of there's elements of Terminator, there's elements of Space Ghost, there's elements of Left Behind. It's a whole bunch of stuff mixed together, but it's it's definitely for sci-fi buffs. Uh, this isn't, you know, guy in a mask and tights saving the day in the city. This is a cosmic out there type thing. Uh, Zanian takes place in the far future. Society has been taken over by an artificial intelligence called Sphere. He's a, uh, a, a computer, a supercomputer that mysteriously... Uh, Okay, Geek Devotion says, Space Ghost or Space Ghost Coast to Coast? Definitely Space Ghost, the original, you know, where he's got the power bands. That, that's the part that Space Ghost. Zaynan is, is a Talgent warrior who has 
uh, these bands that he can set to give him special powers. He can fly with them. He can shoot lasers with them. Uh, just like Space Ghost had uh, Space Ghost had those bands that could let him do all kinds of stuff. That's what Zaydan has. Uh, yeah, no, no ghost to coast. No ghost to coast. Uh, I, actually, that <laughs> I'll, I'll say that for later if we have time. Uh, but anyhow, in the future, Sphere has set itself up as the governing authority of everything. Uh, he uh, says that you can't have any negative thoughts about Sphere because Sphere saved mankind. You can't think for yourself. You do exactly what Sphere says. Um, human beings are... are uh, the human race is kept alive in that he selects a male and a female to be together for the purpose of creating a child, and then they go back to their lives. There's no marriage. Uh, people, once they reach a certain age... If they're uh, unable to perform certain aptitude tests, they're given a sleep injection and uh, put in a cryostasis so that their organs can be preserved in case they're needed for organ transplants. But you're not allowed to be alive past a certain age in this new future. Uh, any thought that's uh, considered against sphere is called alien thought. And uh, they have different factions that are trying to rise up against sphere. But the, uh, the specific... Uh, the specific uh, story focuses on a Talgent warrior named Zaydan. Now, Talgent warrior is just like the, the peacekeeping force of Sphere. They're the guys that fly around the galaxy and make sure that uh, things are, are done the way they're supposed to. And uh, Zaydan has a situation where he's, he's fighting against some rebel factions and accidentally ends up in a place called the Fatal Limit. The Fatal Limit is a place where basically you go to die because of the radiation there. But he wakes up at the fatal limit and realizes he's not dead. In fact, he's in a very well put together society and he looks around and the first thing he notices is that there are people in the society who are old. They have gray hair. They have wrinkled skin. Some of them are balding. And he's thinking, how is this possible? I mean, people, people are supposed to get the sleep injection when they turn 55. Why are there old people here? And he comes to realize that this is a group of people who were banished to the fatal limit because of their belief in Christ, because Sphere considered faith in Christ as alien thought. And so he's protected and nursed back to health by this group of Christians. And uh, they tell him about Christ and they tell him about Jesus. They give him a stone. And the cool thing about the stone is if you hold it and you speak to it, it's, 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 a, it's a sound player basically is what it is. It's like the early MP3s. And if you ask it a question, it gives you Bible verses based on it. Like if you if you hold it tight and you say, tell me something about strength, it'll quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or it'll quote Isaiah 40.31, those who enter the Lord will renew their strength. They'll melt up on wings like eagles. So it, so he's got this little thing that's always giving him scripture, scripture. They send him back to his job. And he's looking around and having seen the way this organization, this uh, this colony lives at the fatal limit and how they care for one another and they lift up each other and how it, this is all based off of their faith in Christ. He's going around and he's comparing it to the society that he sees where everyone does what Sphere says and Sphere doesn't always tell you to do nice things. Uh, people are out for each other's jobs. They're, they're, they're trying to... Uh, Let's see. Sounds like 1984. Very much. Sphere is a lot like Big Brother. Lest he says, 1984 meets the giver meets altered carbon. 
I don't know the giver or altered carbon, so I'm going to have to trust you on that. Uh, I'll say sure. Sounds good. <laughs> but uh, but it's it's a really, really entertaining story. It's just high-octane action. Uh, Zaydan is always fighting somebody, always chasing after somebody. Uh, there's always some kind of crazy thing going on. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, Zinaroshi says the only thing to fear is sphere itself. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to mention that to, to Mr. Bull when I see him uh, next time. Do they not require fifth graders in Louisiana to read The Giver? Uh, maybe they do, and I just missed it. I don't know. I've never read The Giver, so I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> but uh, anyhow, so it, it's a it's a really, for those of you who, like me, I, I'm more attracted to superhero stories. I like sci-fi. I mean, uh, you know, I grew up as a Trekkie, uh, but I have love for Star Wars, too. I'm not one of those people that says one's better than the other. I like them both. But uh, for those of you who prefer sci-fi over superhero, it definitely scratches that itch. Uh, there's a lot of, there's the, there's a strong female lead, um, uh, uh, in, uh, uh, Zaydan's love interest. Uh, she's also a Talgit warrior and, uh, so she's got the power bands and she's flying around shooting lasers and stuff like that. Uh, not everybody who is against sphere is a good guy. There are rebel factions and they're not necessarily for Christ. They just don't want sphere to be the guy in control. So, uh, it's really entertaining there. Uh, he has three volumes out. Volume one has episodes one and two. Volume two has episodes three and four. And then his most recent one is The Mermaid of Immersia. That was his most recent novel. That one is a little bit longer. The episodes one through four were kind of meant to be children's books. Um, so they're a little shorter. And they have an illustration every page. Like every page you've got a drawing by Al Bowl about the story. Whereas Mermaid of Immersia, it's uh, for a little bit older audiences, not in content, but in the sense that uh, it's longer and there are only illustrations every few pages or so. There aren't as many illustrations. So, uh, <clears throat> so uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. But, um, so anyhow, it's, uh, they're all available on Amazon and uh, you can, uh, get it from there. Matter of fact, since I've since I've been shown how to do this, let me full screen share. All right, so here's volume one of Zaydan, uh, and uh, like I said, it's by author Al Bowl. Great, great story. Wonderful uh, sci-fi action, and it's faith based. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's specifically Christian. There's a really cool part in the story where Zaydan is trying to get back to Sphere, trying to get back to, to Earth so he could uh, report to Sphere, Sphere, and uh, but he's inside. He's hiding inside the ship because no one can know that he spent time with the colony at Fatal Limit. So they uh, they get boarded by this uh, soldier force that's inspected them to see if there's any contraband on their ship. And they're all worried that they might find, uh, uh, they're all worried that, uh, that they'll find Zaydan and they're not supposed to. And they look and they see that there is a, like a frowny face drawn on the wall. And the soldier walks up and he looks at that frowny face and then he looks at everyone and he smiles. 
And he, in turn, draws the other side of the face. And what it does is it makes the Christian ichthus. And in this dystopian future, that is how uh, uh, Christians identify each other, just like in the old days when they would draw the, the, the symbol. Albo incorporated that into a story. So they're all afraid of Zanan getting discovered. And then the guy that's inspecting them basically says, hey, don't worry. I'm a Christian too. Nothing to see here. Let's go, guys. And uh, so that's really neat that you have this underground Christian movement in the story. So I highly recommend it. Uh, again, it's not technically a comic book. It is a traditional novel, but it has illustrations in it. Uh, great for the kids, great for the adults. I had a fun time reading it. So if you're more of a sci-fi person, definitely something to te- check out. You can go to Amazon.com and uh, search for Zanan, Z-A-A-N-A-N. And again, that is written by written and illustrated by Al Bowl. All right, so I've been saying the phrase faith-based a lot, and uh, I'm going to take a second to get a sip of my coffee. I've been saying faith-based a lot, and I wanted to take some time to talk about what exactly that means to be faith-based. As I said, when I first started this podcast, uh, Dallas and I talked about what it meant to be family-friendly, so I want to focus on faith-based, and uh, I've come up with some some uh, some categories that I think faith-based fiction falls into. And uh, it's not a, a hard line or rule. Uh, it's, uh, it's just the way that I kind of categorize it in my mind. Uh, some stories apply to multiple categories. But these are just the way I kind of sort them out. Uh, there's three different areas. that uh, There's Christian intended, Christian influenced, and Christian inspired. Um, so all, they're all the CIs, all right? So Christian intended. That, to me, is, is Christian fiction or faith-based fiction that is written specifically and solely for the purpose of communicating either the truth of Scripture or the gospel or something like that. Like The, the point of the author is to find a creative way to tell the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is usually... Uh, Richard Wood says, if I have faith in the U.S. dollar, is an economy textbook faith-based? <laughs> I, I, am, I am not commenting on that one. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just going to leave that one there. Uh, but anyhow, Christian, uh, uh, Christian intended are stories of fiction that are specifically intended to communicate the gospel. Uh, a lot of your allegories are like this, like Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, would be an example of that. It's it's a story, but it's a story with a specific intent. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is like that because it's a story. It's a fictional story, but it is an allegory. It's meant to teach the gospel to children. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other examples. Uh, I'm, actually, uh, I'm actually reading a story right now as a bedtime story for my son called uh, The... Let me get the title wrong. The Sword, the Ring, and the Prophecy? Or is it the, no, The Sword, the Ring, and the Parchment. The Sword, the Ring, and the Parchment. And it's a story about this earthly kingdom called Terrestria who's ruled by King Emmanuel. And it's, it's the gospel. It's the gospel, but it's told in this really cool medieval backdrop. So it's an allegory. So that's what I call Christian intended. Like it, it, its purpose is to communicate the gospel. All right? Uh, 
Christian. The other one was uh, Christian inspired. These are stories that to me, uh, the, the point is to tell the story. It, it, you know, th- 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 that's what it is. And it has spirituality as a primary part of it. Like it's a major part of it, but it may not necessarily be trying to teach anything. It's not instructional in nature. Uh, an example would be basically anything by Frank Peretti or Ted Decker. Okay. Uh, I read this present darkness when I was in college and I read a lot of stuff by Ted Decker. Uh, that stuff, spirituality is obviously a part of it. Your, your protagonists are Christians. They deal with spiritual themes. They, they even fight against evil using some of the, the things you've learned. But the, the purpose is to tell a story. They'll touch on the truths of scripture. Truths of scripture will play a part in the story, but it's not trying to teach you anything. It's just trying to tell the story. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that I would, that I would do there. Uh, Zadan is a great example of, of Christian inspired spirituality is, is a major part of the story. We, we see Zadian eventually come to faith in Christ, uh, but we're not necessarily trying to teach something. It's not saying, okay, now we're going to open up to this sermon. Keith uh, uh, said, fun facts, Les and I are friends with the guy who did the graphic novel of some of Ted Decker's books. Oh, awesome. That's cool. Introductions, please. <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, we're going to, uh, so, so those are, uh, examples of that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, that, that's Christian in, uh, Christian inspired stuff that it has spirituality as a major plot point. Uh, your protagonist either is Christian or comes to know Christ. Uh, but it's not really meant to, to be a sermon or to teach anything. It's just meant to tell a story. It's just meant to tell a story about a Christian person. And then the last part is Christian influence. Uh, and Christian influence to me is stuff that you can tell the author has Christian influence, has a Christian worldview, but that may not necessarily be what the story is about. Uh, for example, uh, a lot of the stuff that we covered by Allegiance Arts, you can tell that there's a, a, a sense of morality in, in the story, but it's not necessarily trying to teach you about faith in Christ. Uh, I think Lord of the Rings is a great example. You can tell by the way Tolkien wrote his stories that he was concerned about this idea of good versus evil. And, and you can see in Frodo being the only one who can bear the ring about the importance of someone who can bear uh, a weight that no one else can bear. But I wouldn't necessarily take the Lord of the Rings to the pulpit and preach from it. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Uh, so Christian influencer stories that aren't overtly Christian, you can tell that the author has some Christian influence in the way that he writes it. Okay, so, so when I'm talking about faith-based, I'm talking about stories that'll fall in, in one of those three categories. And it's possible for some stories to fall in multiple categories. Uh, for example, my wife's absolute favorite book of all time, Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers. Uh, I did not know this when I read it. I thought it was just a really cool story about uh, westward expansion in the pioneer days and about a guy who... Uh, shows the love of Christ to uh, uh, a young lady, <clears throat> and they eventually fall in love. <clears throat> what I didn't know is that it was a creative retelling of the story of Hosea and Gomer. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, uh, Retro Rewind says, isn't that the Hosea one? Yes, it is. Uh, 
it is a uh, it is a retelling of the story of Hosea and Gomer. I didn't know this when I was reading it. I thought it was just a good story. So as as I'm reading Redeeming Love, if I were had to categorize it, I'd say it would be a little bit of both. Uh, it does communicate a truth of the gospel. It, its purpose is to tell the story, tell a Bible story. But also, it's an entertaining story. The point is to tell a story. So that would actually be both Christian-intended and Christian-inspired, I think. Uh, so, you know, there's things like that. So that when I look for faith-based stuff, that's kind of uh, that's kind of what I'm looking for, is things that are either overtly Christian, they're, uh, you know, that they're teaching something, things that are inspired by Christianity, that they have a uh, spiritual... Uh, theme that the, the protagonist either is Christian or becomes a Christian or Christian influence. You can tell by the writing that there's some, there's some Christian influence in the, in the way they tell, tell the story. All right. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I do want to take a mi- minute to mention once again, we are streaming to raise money for track Shreveport. So if you will, please go and donate to that so that we can help support that ministry uh, help get these show these kids some love as as I'm sure Dallas has pointed out several times. The whole point of geek devotions is to tell people they're loved, and I can't think of a better way to tell some of these kids that they are loved than to help fund their uh, help fund their, their their camp for this summer. So make sure and go to donate. That is geekdevotions.com/track, geekdevotions.com/track. So make sure you go there and donate. Also, if you have a comic that you feel fits the parameters of what this podcast is about. It's faith-based and it's family-friendly, and you would like for me to review it. I, I promise it won't take me forever to get to it this time around, all right? As I said, uh, Dallas has provided me with some equipment, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to my best to learn how to use it so I can hopefully get some episodes out more often than once every four months. But if you've got stuff that you want me to review, please let me know. Uh, you can contact me through the Geek Devotions uh, social media, you can uh, message Dallas or you can uh, you can email me. My email address is branson.boykin at gmail.com, branson.boykin at gmail.com. So if you've got something that, that you think fits the parameters of what this podcast is about, then buy all me and send it to me. I love reading comics. I love reading comics. So if you will give me an excuse to read comics, please, I would love it, especially if it's a comic that is something I can share with my kids and that teaches some of, uh, I wonder if we could get a review copy of Little Nemo. I feel like I should, all right, Lesty for short says, I wonder if we could get a review copy of Little Nemo. I feel like I should know what Little Nemo is. That's, I know we're not talking about the little orange and white fish. Uh, I'm going to have to ask you about that later. I feel like I should know what that is. That sounds strangely familiar. But anyhow, if you've got stuff that you want me to review, let me know. Send that to my email, or you can contact uh, Dallas through Geek Devotions. Let me know, and I will do an episode for it. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm going to end the podcast portion of this and then uh, finish up the live stream. But before I go, I want to tell you, remind you that you are loved. Stay devoted. Peace and love.